everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Hope you're ready for another action-packed week just full of scripture. We are going to uh, be going to a lot of Bible on this particular program today as we discuss the subject of Abraham's seed. This Abraham's seed. And I'm calling that it that for a reason because basically I guess another name you could give this is replacement theology is what some might want to call it. Uh, but I'm going to call it the doctrine of Abraham's seed. And here's why. The subject of replacement theology or the doctrine of replacement theology has many versions out there and many of them are false. And so while I am not against that term, while many people I know who uh, teach replacement theology, I agree with what they teach. I'm kind of tired of listening to Zionist-type Baptists debunk fake versions of replacement theology or false versions of replacement theology that no one that I know even believes or follows. And so the truth is, often when we use these extra-biblical terms, when we get away from scriptural terms, all we do is we make it easier for the other side to avoid the actual issue. And those who are on my side... We are often frustrated at people's inability on the other side to accurately represent what we teach. And so I think it's a good strategy to just use biblical terms, force them to go to the scriptures, force them to define their beliefs of scriptural terms from the scriptures. And that's where we are going to win this fight is by being more biblical in our terminology, the the, the um, dispensationalists, they are dependent on the, the extra biblical theological terms. They're dependent on those things. Or they are dependent on taking a word that's slightly used in the Bible and then creating their own definition for it. They're dependent on these things because they are in error. We are not in error. And so if you are not in error in your doctrine, being more biblical in your terminology should be a, a, a challenge that you are willing to accept. You know it's just going to give you every advantage. And so what I want to talk about is the doctrine of Abraham's seed. That's what I'm going to call it. And this, if you follow this program, if you've listened to my preaching, this is going to be very elementary stuff for you. But this is for people who maybe are new to uh, the kind of doctrine that is taught in my church and that's promoted on this channel I want, to, I want to give this to them. I, this is something I want to be able to give to my independent fundamental Baptist brethren who still believe that God's not done with Israel and that we should be supporting the Jews and all that kind of stuff. I want to, I want to be able to give this to them, and I want to challenge them with this because what we are going to be covering, not only is it biblical, it's very easy to prove, and I want to hear them debunk these scriptures and I don't want to be able to chase rabbits going after I, I listened to a guy one time I know debunking replacement theology and he spent a good 20 minutes of his sermon talking about different types of replacement theology some I'd never even heard of before and talking about how they're all foolish and what he was doing is what and I would agree these versions he was talking about was very foolish he was just putting it in your head that all types of replacement theology is foolish because look at this one, this one, this one, this one. Yet when it came to the version that many are teaching today, 
that is accurate, he didn't really talk about that. So it's very tricky. This is the kind of stuff you have to do when you are in error. So we are going to go right into some scriptures and that I believe are foundational in this subject of Abraham's seed. I believe it is important that we understand and that we accurately and scripturally define what Abraham's seed is. The dispensational crowd, I mean, if you want to talk about replacement theology, I think you could accuse them of replacing Abraham's seed, Jesus Christ, with Abraham's descendants, or at least some of his descendants, meaning the Jews. But the Bible says in Genesis 15, 18, the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So right there, people, they love to talk about the land covenant that God made with Abraham and his seed in their mind, meaning descendants. And uh, I personally disagree. I do not believe that a certain line of descendants of Abraham, a uh, physical line, uh, have claim on the land promises. I do not believe that. I do not believe the Bible teaches that. And I'm going to I'm going to prove that to you as we go through this passage. And so I believe it's important that we go to the New Testament where the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he clarifies certain things from the Old Testament, and then we're going to go, so we're going to look at these New Testament passages, and then we're going to go through the Old Testament, and we're going to take a look at this seed and make sure we are understanding it correctly. And so a foundational verse that we would use to teach the doctrine of Abraham's seed is in Romans chapter 9 and verse 1. So let's go ahead and go to Romans chapter 9, and we'll start reading in verse 1. And it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish my, that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises whose are the fathers, and of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted for the seed. So right there, we have a very clear scripture showing that it's not about the flesh. It's the children of promise that are counted for the seed. Now, why did he say it that way? Because the promises were made to Abraham's seed. What is that? And it turns out, and what we're going to see in the scriptures, it's not just a, a single line, you could say, or a special a physical line that descended from Abraham. That is not what it is. That's what dispensationalists are teaching it. And they are very two-faced and they are very hypocritical in their interpretation. I'm going to show that too as we go through here. But the Bible is very specific that they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. If you are only of Abraham's seed physically, you the, the promises to the seed do not apply to you. 
they do not come for you. And the Apostle Paul, when he expresses this, he's sad because he, as someone who descended from Abraham, someone who was from the tribe of Benjamin, someone who uh, was a Pharisee, who was able to show what his lineage was, Paul was somebody who greatly loved his kinsmen according to the flesh. And even though the promises, the adoptions, the glory, the covenant, it was all given to them, he understood that they did not have those things. And he says, not as though the word of God had taken none effect. You know, there were dispensationalists around back then probably saying, you're saying God didn't keep his promise to Israel. Uh, no, it's not as though the word of God had taken none effect. You just don't understand the word of God. For they are not all Israel that are of Israel. Meaning not everyone who is of that nation has the claims or is able to claim the promises that were to Israel. It's those who are the children. It's not those who are the children of the flesh. It's those who are of promise like Isaac. They are the ones who are the children of of God. And so Romans 9, I mean, it is a it is a major slam dunk verse and we could go on and on talking more about that. Uh, we're not going to do that. I'm going to go to some of the other passages that dispensationalists and pro-Israel people absolutely love to ignore. And we're going to go to Galatians chapter 3. I, I think this is another very important passage that we need to go to because this is the reason people too say, what does this have to do with end times? People who are wrong on end times are typically wrong because they have been bewitched by the Jews. Okay, That's all there is to it. They are obsessed with an ethnic group that has lifted themselves up above all other people. And a lot of Baptists have foolishly gone right along with these things. And it says in uh, Galatians chapter 3, and notice too how it says here in the beginning, uh, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. And he goes on explaining to them how, hey, you ought to know better than to add works or add law, the law, to salvation. And then he goes on to say, he uses Abraham as an illustration of somebody who got saved by believing. It says, even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, we have Christians today who are teaching that we still need to be a blessing to the Jews based on Genesis chapter 12. And I'm fine with being a blessing to other people, but I do not believe you get any special blessing because you do something extra nice for a Jew. In fact, I'm going to show you uh, that's absolutely foolish and absurd to even claim that, and it's sad that anybody is even claiming that today. But let's keep reading. It goes on to say, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Those that are under the law, specifically Jews, are under the curse for not doing all the things that are in the law. But that no man is justified by the law on the side of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith. 
but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And people will say all the time, you know, no, these things belong to the Jews because it was these were unconditional. These were unconditional promises of God to the Jews. That's what people tell you. Therefore, the land is theirs. We got to stand up for them. We got to make sure they get the land. No, it is not. That is not the case. Notice how he said, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith, not unto seeds as of many, but as of one into thy seed, which is Christ. And I say this, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God uh, in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, watch this, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. So notice what Paul is showing right here. First off, if the inheritance of the law is a no of promise. So when you're claiming, no, the land belongs to them because they physically descend, okay? Well, then that would be by the law. Oh, and by the way, if it's going to be of the law, they also have to prove their genealogy. Good luck with that. Guess what? They can't do it. Keep claiming it. They can't do it, okay? They can't do it. But even if they did, even if somebody comes along, Pastor Tommy, you were wrong. These people banging their head against the wailing wall, they have proved their lineage. Okay, good. So they're making claim to the land by the law. If they are claiming it by the law, they are under the curse. You know why? Because they haven't kept the law. And the truth is that it's those of promise who are counted for the seed. It's those who are promise that are the heirs. And notice too, see, it says because it says, wherefore then serveth the law. So what was the purpose of the law? You know, why did God do this miracle of preserving the Jews through all their hardships and trials in the Old Testament? Here's why he did it to fulfill his promise of the seed, which is Jesus Christ. You see, here's what dispensationalists have done. They have taken the focus off of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, and they've made it all about the Jews. Now, where do you think they got that from? Uh, what did Paul say in Genesis 3.1? Who hath bewitched you? It was Judaizers. Baptists have been Judaized so bad, and it's it's embarrassing, and it's a, it's a shame what is being taught, they, if you are, if you are promoting, supporting Israel, supporting them getting the land, you are victim of being, of, of someone who's been Judaized. You have been bewitched, scripturally speaking. And so those, the laws were added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. God gave them these things to preserve them as a people until the seed would come. And guess what? The seed came. It was Jesus Christ. And the promises were to him. And the Jews figured it out. The Jews figured out, hey, this is the heir. Let us kill him and seize on his inheritance. 
This is why they are of Cain. This is what happened with Cain and Abel. This is the story of Cain and Abel. God had promised a seed to Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Let's go ahead and, and I'm going to go ahead and, and read some of these scriptures. This seed is mentioned throughout the Old Testament, but you're so focused on Jews that you are missing Jesus Christ and the constant promises of, uh, of the Messiah. In Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. Everyone knows that's talking about Jesus. So there's the seed that was promised to Eve that she understood. And what we have in the story of Cain and Abel, okay, we have them bringing an offering to God. God is going to choose one of them that the seed is going to come from. God is not pleased with Cain's offering. God is pleased with the sacrificial lamb that was brought by Abel. God chooses Abel. He has respected his offering and he does not respect Cain's offering. When God chooses Abel, this angers Cain and he kills Abel. He, this is what the Jews, the Jews who are of Cain did when they realized, wait, Jesus is the chosen one. God has chosen Jesus Christ. He is the heir. You know, Cain's thinking if I kill Abel, then I can be the one. But no, that's not, God ended up appointing another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew, which is what we see in Genesis 4.25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God said she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And guess where the seed Jesus Christ came from? Not the line of Cain, the line of Seth. The line of Cain was cursed. When they started intermingling, almost a picture of Judaism mixing with Christianity, and it began to corrupt everything. We see God ends up finding just Noah who's righteous in his generations, and he wipes out the rest of the world, leaving only Noah and his family. What's God doing? He is preserving the seed. He is preserving that seed that the promise was made. When we get to Genesis 9-9, after the flood, it says, And I behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. Now, is so, and people, and this is where the dispensationalists, they start talking about the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, and all these things, and they play a lot of games. But at the end of the day, you know, while seed often is a reference, often to multiple descendants, for sure, and you can find plenty of evidence, evidence of that in the Bible, ultimately what we learn from the scriptures, what we learn from the New Testament, is while there were certain claims that these descendants could make, who came from these individuals, what it was ultimately leading to was Jesus Christ because that's where preservation is. Because no one would make the claim that everyone who descended from Noah was saved. We all understand that. Just as no one would claim everyone who descended from Abraham was saved. But you know what? Guess who did descend from Noah and Abraham? Jesus. And did you know everyone in Christ is preserved? Everyone who is of faith is preserved. So all of these promises, you know, if we get specific about the seed, there is, there is salvation, there is preservation there because it's in Jesus Christ. But yet the descendants, while they were on earth and they had certain claim, there was no, you know, preservation because they all sinned, they all fell, they all were under the curse. 
And unless they were of faith, they died and they went to hell. And so in Genesis 12 and verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And dispensationalists look at the seed and they say, Jews. And they, meaning, even the ones that are here today who reject Jesus Christ. But that is that is that right? Is that about descendants or is it about those who remain in the covenant? Meaning, and so you did, you had descendants during that time that were in that covenant, but did they all remain in that covenant? Not if they weren't of faith, okay? Only those who are in Christ. We see in Genesis 15, 18, in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt under the great river, the river Euphrates. Okay? And I submit to you that that seed is not seeds as of many, but as of one into thy seed, which is Christ. That promise of the land uh, is fulfilled not through descendants, but through Jesus Christ. And yes, while descendants had a certain claim while they were on earth, Understand there was no preservation of that claim just in uh, with them physically. There was only a preservation if they were of faith, and that's because of what Christ would do later. Proof of this too, Genesis 17, 9. says, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant before thee, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised and ye shall circumcise the flesh of the foreskin and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man child in your generations, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. So do you, do you see how when God gave this covenant to Abraham, there was a way you could be taken out of that covenant. There was no preservation in there. You had to be circumcised. Now, remember what it said in Galatians, how uh, the law was added because of transgressions? till the seed was come to whom the promises were made. You know, yes, laws did get added to this covenant. What was the purpose of adding those laws? Well, if the way things were going in Israel, if laws are not added and enforced, they will not survive as a people and the seed will not come, Jesus Christ. It's always been about Jesus. It's never been about Jews. It's That's not what it's all about. And the seed came, and yet people today are still obsessed with Jews. That is beyond unbiblical. It is about Jesus Christ. The promises were to him. And so understand, you could get cut off of that covenant. And here's the funny thing, too. I've called people out on this port, and they're like, well, the Jews have kept that. Um, Wait a minute. Are, are you sure about that? Are you sure? Because... Interestingly enough, and this is kind of a mysterious passage in the Bible, but right after God goes and tells Moses to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, what happens in Exodus chapter 4 and verse, um, verse 24? It says, And it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that the Lord met him 
and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. Moses' own son hadn't even been circumcised. And God was going to kill Moses because of that. Why? Because the Jews, they did not do a good job of keeping those things. No Jew ever fully kept the law. And so there were there were things that were added. Um, and, and so, um, boy, there, there's so many things we can go to. And I'm trying to keep like bottom shelf stuff. All right. But do you want to get a little deep? All right. Would y'all like to get a little deep? I let's let, let me point out a few more things just to show you too. This is something this doctrine of Abraham's seed. This is something that's all over the scriptures and it's all about Jesus Christ. There are so many verses in the Bible that people get confused about because they're trying to apply them to Jews rather than apply them to Jesus Christ, to make them about Jesus Christ. And so let's let's go to a mysterious passage here that causes people to scratch their heads a little bit. Uh, how about Genesis 38 in verse 6? It says, And Judah took a wife of Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. And Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his, and it came to pass, when he went in unto his brother's wife, that he spilled it on the ground, lest he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. Now, again, not trying to read too much into this scripture right here, but this does seem like just kind of a random, mysterious story. Because first off, you know, what's the deal with this raising up seed to the brother thing? Why was that so important then? Why is none of that stuff talked about in the New Testament? Why do we specifically have Ur being mentioned who is evil and God, God just killing him? Did God just kill all evil people in the Bible randomly? Why did Judah's son, who is evil, just get killed by God? Why was Onan's sin so bad that he did during this time that where God killed him too? Why is this story even in the Bible? Um, maybe, okay, maybe if we are focused on the seed, Jesus Christ, we'll understand why it's so important. Because another thing too, in dispensationalism, people think that when you see something um, explained or written out in the scriptures, that's when they received that knowledge. But there are so many exceptions to that in Genesis, it's not even funny. But we do see later on in Genesis chapter 49, in verse 8, it says, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be upon the neck of thy enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey, my son. Thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couches a lion as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now, everyone would agree, this is a messianic prophecy. I believe, I think it's you know, definitely very easy to assume that even before Genesis 49, Jacob and, and maybe even Judah understood that the seed, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was going to come from him. 
And so when you have Judah's firstborn son, Ur, who's wicked, God doesn't want the seed coming from him. So God slays him. You have Onan who comes along. He understands the seed's not going to be his, and he's evil too. God doesn't want the seed to come from Onan. God kills him too. And notice we see later on that we see the story, and it's kind of a disturbing story, but where uh, Judah ends up getting Tamar pregnant, and she begins uh, Pharaoh's and Zerah. And guess what? That is where the Messiah came from. The Messiah came from him. Why did the Bible even tell the story? You know why? Because it's showing the seed. It's following the line of the seed. This is, it's not all about the Jews, ladies and gentlemen. It's about Abraham's seed. It's about Jesus Christ. He is the focal point. Have you ever wondered why the book of Ruth is in the Bible? It does seem just kind of like a random story. It's a beautiful story. I mean, there's, there's some great uh, truths we can learn from there, great principles in there. But you know, an interesting thing too about the book of Ruth, when you get to chapter four, says, and all the people there in the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make this woman that is coming to thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel and do thou worthily in Ephrata and be famous in Bethlehem. Interestingly enough, where the Messiah would be born and let thy house be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Now, without a doubt, they were talking about her descendants. Without a doubt, they were talking about her descendants. But isn't it interesting that Boaz, he descends from Judah and from Perez. And uh, Perez begat Ezra, Ezra begat Aminadab, Min began Ram. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm messing those up. I'm not even going to try. But it, goes, it gets to Boaz. And Boaz begets Obed of Ruth and... Obed beget Jesse and Jesse beget David. And so when she said seed there, she's referring to the descendants, of course. But without a doubt, this is a prophetic scripture because the seed which the Lord shall give to this young woman, I believe it's a reference to Jesus Christ. You want to know why the story of Ruth is in the Bible? Because it has reference to the seed, to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. This is following his line. The Old Testament is not about the Jews. It is about the Messiah. It's about Jesus who would come from the Jews. God chose them. God chose them as a people to be the ones that that the Messiah, that his seed would come through. And so I believe that's why one of the main reasons the story of Ruth is in the Bible. We see, and again, if you weren't so obsessed with the Jews, you would see all these wonderful things about Jesus and the Messiah. He is the focal point. It was he that was with the church in the wilderness. In 2 Samuel 7, 12, it says, And when thy days be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If, if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. Now, without a doubt, this is talking about Solomon, which is also, uh, you know, where the line of Christ came from. But at the same time, too, without a doubt, there's a messianic prophecy in here that about a throne that would be established forever, and we all understand that fulfillment is through Christ. We all we all get that, and he set up. I will set up thy seed after thee. 
And without so without a doubt, we're seeing a prophetic reference to Jesus Christ. He was the seed. He was what it was all about. Acts 3.24, yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after me, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days, ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning every one of you away from his iniquities. So that, uh, that seed that all the nations of the world are blessed in, it's not descendants, it's not the Jews. It was Jesus. God sent Jesus to bless you, he said, talking to the Jews. The blessing is in Jesus Christ, not in an ethnic group. And so the, the fact that New Testament Christians are missing this blows my mind, and it makes me ask the question, who hath bewitched you? And Judaizers have been around since the first century. Paul dealt with it in Galatians 4.21. He said, tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? Those of you that think you can add the law to salvation, don't you hear what it says? Have you not read the law? What makes you think from reading the law that you can be saved by the law? But listen to what he said. For it is written, Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is in Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. Notice Paul associates Israel that is under the law with Hagar, with Ishmael. I didn't do this. Paul did this. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. He said this to Galatians. He said this to Gentiles. We are the children of promise. But as he then that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so is it now. Ishmael, after the flesh, persecuted Isaac, who was of the spirit. Paul said it's the same thing now. Those who are of the flesh, the Jews, are persecuting those who are born of the spirit, us. We are Isaac, and the Jews were Ishmael. I didn't say that. Paul said that. But as he, uh, So, nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not the children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Not only do dispensationalists get mad when we claim the blessings and the inheritance and that we are heirs of the promises to Abraham, not only, not only do they get offended by that, but the Bible actually teaches that the Jews will not inherit with the free woman. They will not be a part of our inheritance. If they are only of the flesh, they have nothing. When it comes to the promises of God, the promises to Abraham, they have no claim on those things. The Jews have no 
claim on the promises of to Abraham if they are only of the flesh. And you know what? You have to take that up with the Apostle Paul. Every claim that you make for the Jews is based on the law. It's based on flesh. And Romans 2.25 says, For circumcision very verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Every Jew is a breaker of the law. Every man is a breaker of the law. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not the uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. The Jews have zero claim to the promises of Abraham. They have zero claim to the land. The promise was to the seed. And the fact that we have Christians acting like, you know, we are under some obligation to be a blessing to the descendants of Abraham shows a great ignorance of the Bible. And why, and here's the thing. If we were supposed to be blessing to the descendants, like there's some kind of good luck charm, why didn't the Apostle Paul ever tell us about that? You know, you'd think he would have let us know, you know, a, a good way like that we could get some extra blessings. But you know what Paul said in Galatians 6.10? As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Uh, that's interesting because you know who those people are who are of the household of faith? Abraham's seed. Why? Because they are in Christ. If we are Christ, we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Abraham's seed are the heirs, those who are in Christ. And those who are of the bondwoman, the Jews, they will not inherit with the free woman. So, I, and, and Baptists get offended when I teach them that. But here, let me, let me show you one more illustration to just show the foolishness, the foolishness and the amount of bewitching it takes for you to claim an ethnicity has any kind of claim on any biblical inheritance and promises. The, the ignorance and the hypocrisy that comes from that is absolutely astounding. But let me show you this chart that I, I pulled off the internet. I want to point out a few things to you about it. This is showing kind of the messianic line of Christ. Okay. Now I'm just going to ask some questions that are, I think the, uh, answers are obvious, but did everyone who descended from Adam go to heaven or able to claim the promises? Of course not. Okay. Well now let's look at, uh, Noah. Okay. And God made a covenant with Noah, but did everyone that descend from Noah have claim on the promises of God and all that? They all go to heaven. Of course not. We all understand that. I think we're all aware of that. Uh, but what about when we get to Abraham? Did everyone that descend from Abraham have claim? Did all of Abraham's descendants have claim to the promises? Uh, no, because Abraham had two sons. And the Bible's very clear. Only those of promise had claim on the inheritance. And that was specifically Isaac. And there you see Isaac. But so was it everybody that descended from Isaac? No, because Isaac had two sons. Esau. And Jacob. 
So it wasn't even all of Isaac's descendants. But when we get to Jacob, then it is all of his. It's all of his, right? But wait a minute. We end up getting to King David. And King David, he's important because, again, the Messiah was promised to him. And then we've got the two, uh, we've got the two genealogies that uh, one's from Luke, where it kind of goes the biological line. The other one goes the legal line uh, through Solomon. But ultimately, where does that lead to? It leads to Jesus Christ, who physically was of Israel, who could prove his lineage. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, he's not just the son of God. He's that seed that, the, that was promised to Eve. He was the seed that was promised to Abraham. He is the heir. It's just Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that these promises were to. And so the thing is, for you to just act like all the Jews are a part of it today, that, that's hypocrisy. We understand not everyone that came from Abraham, not everyone that came from Isaac, not everyone that came from Jacob. We, under, we understand all that. And he's like, well, no, it's got to go to these. No, Jesus fulfilled all those things. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus was the heir. Jesus has legal claim on all of those things. And all who are of faith, the Bible tells us, are in Christ. So, of course, people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're going to be a part of that kingdom. They're going to receive that land that was promised to them. They were going to receive those inheritance. There's a resurrection coming one of these days. There's a millennial kingdom coming one of these days. So, but all of these things, the only claim anyone has to any of these things is through Jesus Christ. And it is embarrassing. It is wrong to look at an ethnicity today. When the seed has come, when the promises were fulfilled through Jesus Christ, when he is the heir and to take an ethnicity too, that is the most hostile towards Christianity, that full on outright rejects Jesus Christ and who is waiting for another Messiah or an antichrist to act like they have some special prominence is absolutely ridiculous. So, well, there's some Jews out there that are saved. Oh, great. Then they are exactly like me. They're exactly like me. They're in Christ, not because they're Jews. No, they're in Christ because they are of faith and they have no special bonus coming for them because they happen to descend from Abraham, maybe. That is absolutely ridiculous. It's all about Jesus Christ. And so you want to talk about replacement theology and God of replaced Israel? No, you replaced. You replaced Jesus Christ with descendants. Jesus Christ is Abraham's seed. This is about, this doctrine, this teaching, what we stand for, it is about who Abraham's seed is. And this is what we need to ask these people. Who is Abraham's seed? Who is it? Because Abraham's seed, he is the heir. Abraham's seed is to whom the promises were made. Abraham's seed is what the Old Testament is all about. Abraham's seed, the Messiah, is why God preserved Israel and Egypt. It was, it was because of that seed that God said, out of Egypt have I called my son. We understand that that is why they were a special people because the seed, the Messiah, was going to come from them, and he came. And, it, and when we look at those stories in the Bible, we, we see they're just as bad as anybody else. In fact, they're probably exceptionally worse. But they were special because the seed was going to come from them. The seed came. Now, these other people that supposedly descend from them, they have nothing. There is nothing 
any more special about them than there is about me physically speaking. And people have got, I mean, I, I think it is very blasphemous to be replacing Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ with an ethnic group. To be taking the promises that were to Jesus Christ and giving them to another ethnic group. So Romans 11, Romans 11 is just showing how those who are of the flesh can still receive part in those covenants and promises if they abide not still in unbelief. They have to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ like everyone else. That's all Romans 11 is showing us. That even though as a nation, as a people, they've done some horrible things, God will still save them just like he did Paul. That's all that's, all that's about. That's not showing a future restoration coming for an ethnic group one of these days. It's absolutely ridiculous. So what we covered today, this is bottom shelf stuff. We'll probably get into some deeper stuff as the week goes. But I wanted to get this out there. I want, I want to challenge those of you who are still lifting up an ethnicity. You need to repent of this false doctrine. This is why you're messed up on eschatology. This is why you're messed up on many things. And some people are even messed up on salvation because they have been bewitched by Judaizers. And you've got to let the word of God uh, break that spell that they have over there, over you. Go read Galatians chapter 3 and 4, the whole book of Galatians. Go read the book of John. Go read literally any book in the New Testament. And if you would just read it with your heart right, I believe it would break that spell that is, that is on you, that put on you by Judaizers. So anyway, that's all we're going to cover for today on this subject. But I hope this was helpful and a blessing to you. And so let's make it all about, it's about Abraham's seed. It's the doctrine of Abraham's seed. Learn it, figure out what it is. I want to hear dispensationalists do a subject, uh, do a study on Abraham's seed. And I want to see you still walk away lifting up an ethnicity. That will be interesting to, to watch. So thank you all for watching this program today. I hope it was a helpful blessing. We will see you all tomorrow.